Welcome to the Menopause Conversations podcast. My name's Angela Council and I'm your host for this podcast and this is where you learn all about menopause, what is happening to your body, to your hormones and life in general. Everything is changing and sometimes it can seem really, really confusing, but this is where the confusion stops right now. This podcast will share with you everything you need to know about how you can navigate your menopause transition with ease. So sit back and enjoy the show. Bye for now. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Menopause Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Council, your host for the podcast. And today I'm going to take a little bit of a different um track around menopause and we're going to be talking about environment and you might be wondering well what has the environment got to do with menopause it actually has more than what you think but just before I get into that I would like to remind you if you haven't heard some of the previous episodes that I do have a brand new secret to thriving in menopause without HRT workshop starting very very soon actually I think the day this episode drops. I think it might be the day we start, but it's not too late to register. So on the 17th of July, I I will be starting that workshop. And in the workshop, you will start to understand more about how your genes influence the way you move through menopause, whether or not you're someone who's going to put on weight, whether or not you're someone who's going to have hot flushes. It's a lot of it is all driven by your genes and what we call your epigenetics. And during the workshop, you'll learn all about that and you'll learn how you are different to to other women. And every single one of you will have a different experience of the menopause journey, which means every one of you requires a different solution. And by the time of the end of the workshop, you will have your own solution. You will have your own menopause blueprint that's going to let you know the right type of foods to eat, the right exercise, how often to, how many times a day to eat, what times to eat, when you should be exercising, morning or afternoon. All of that information is going to be in your own personalized menopause blueprint. And you will get that when you register for the workshop. Now, the link to register is bit.ly, so B-I-T dot ly forward slash menopause underscore workshop and that's with a capital m and a capital w bit.ly forward slash menopause underscore workshop go there register it's not too late even if you miss out on the first call it's all recorded you can catch up on all the recordings so looking forward to seeing you there but let's get back to this topic of environment now i just want to clarify what i mean by environment. I'm not talking about global warming and the eco environment. Whilst that is really, really important and we definitely need to be aware of what's going on with that and how that's impacting our health. What I'm talking about in environment in the fact that it's everything that is external to you, everything that's external to your to your DNA, to your genes, to your cells. So it's everything outside of you that can impact the way your body functions. So we all have genes and we all have specific specific genes. We've got genes from our mother and our father. So this is what makes you unique. Unless you are an identical twin, then someone else will have the same genetic profile as you. But your genetic profile generally 
is specific to you. So you are a unicorn. If you ever wondered, you are a unicorn. But genes don't do anything until they're stimulated by an external force, by something in the environment. So the environment stimulates the genes to tell the genes what to do. So your genes are your potential of how the body could behave, but the potential is activated or deactivated based on the environment. Give you a really um, simple explanation of this. So when we talk about exercise, you go to the gym, and you start to lift some weight. So you're lifting some weight. So you're putting the right type of force on your body at the right time with the right number of repetitions. And over time, you will get stronger. But what you're doing is you're activating the genes for getting stronger. And when those genes are activated, then a whole pile of processes happen in your body to make your muscles stronger. But if you're someone who goes to the gym and you lift lots of weights and you're really, really strong and then you decide you're going to run a marathon and you've done no training for the marathon, so you haven't been focusing on your cardio fitness, you haven't turned on your cardio genes, you're going to struggle. You will, your stress, your body will stress, it will go into breakdown and you're more likely to have injury and not be able to finish the race. And this is how... Once again, the body and the genes protects itself because you haven't done the training to run that. So certain genes basically get turned off and your muscles start to break down and that means you can't continue with the racing. And it's just the way that the body protects itself. So that's just kind of a little bit of a simple explanation, but the body is always going to respond to the environment in a way that allows it to survive. So if you're experiencing symptoms, if you're getting sick, if, if there's things that are happening, your body is breaking down, that is your body trying to survive. So what it does is it switches on different genes, which may be uncomfortable, but they're enough to keep you alive. And, you know, and this is where we talk a lot. And I talk a lot about the stress response and how, you know, it is possible for the adrenal glands to produce the reproductive hormones at a lower level as we come through the menopause transition. But if we're highly, highly stressed, the adrenal glands are going to focus on producing the stress hormones over reproductive hormones. Once again, this is a genetic influence because some people can um, cope with more stress before it breaks the body. So it doesn't need to produce, you know, a, a, a stressful situation for one person won't produce as much stress hormones. Whereas for another person, it'll stress, it'll produce more stress hormones based on your genetics. So we're always coming back to what are the genes doing? What does the, what's your potential and how are your genes reacting? So when we look at food now, this might be a little bit of a, a strange concept, but if we consider that our digestive system is actually external to the body, let me explain this. So we've got a mouth and we've got this big tube, so a big hose that kind of runs all the way through the middle and comes out the other end when we and we poop it out. So it comes out of our, our butthole. And if you think of like that's a big hose. Now, when you look at the hose, the outside of that hose is actually the inside of your body. And the inside of that hose is actually outside. So I think it's a big donut. It's the middle of the donut hole. That's actually external to your body. So that big hose all the way through is external to your body. So you're 
So it's external to the cells. I'm hoping this is making sense. I'm not confusing you too much. The DNA and the cells are all sitting on the other side. And even the stomach, it's like a big balloon and all the food sits inside that and that's where we've got our microbiome and everything else sitting inside. So when we put food into our gut, that's an external environmental factor which starts to impact the way our body works. So once it gets into our gut, uh, we then we need the right type of microbiome to break it down, to release the nutrients. If it's toxic, it's got to pass it on to the liver. So all of this stuff happens and whilst we might think, oh, that's all internal, it's actually technically external. So it's part of the environment. And which is why, and I mean, it's probably not, a, it's a no brainer that most people realize the importance of the food that we eat and the impact that food can have on the way your body works. It also impacts the way your genes express. So if you're eating foods which are not beneficial for your body based on what your body requires, it's going to trigger off some genes that could cause ill health. And we see this, um, you know, when we talk about genes being triggered and genes not being triggered, one thing that just popped into my head as I was saying this, smoking used to be a pretty big thing, not so much of a big thing anymore. And there were people who would smoke and they would smoke a lot. You could have two people who would smoke, smoke the same amount for the same length of time one person would get lung cancer and the other one wouldn't. What was the difference? They basically, in effect, did the same action. The difference was their genes. One had a genetic tendency. They had the genes that if they were switched on, it was going to cause cancer. The other didn't have those genes or those genes were not being switched on. And they may have been being switched on by other factors. So this is why, you know, and we see this as well with the BRCA1 gene, not every woman with a BRCA1 gene will get breast cancer. So what is the difference? It's the external environment that triggers this. And, and that comes from food, movement. Also, we've got to look at, and when we're talking about food, it's the food that you eat, the nutrition, are you getting enough nutrients? Because nutrients impact the way your brain works. Nutrients have a really big impact on the way your hormones work has an impact on every single cell on the, on the body because if we don't have the right nutrients for the body to be functioning, then our body's going to start getting, it's going to start to break down and we get ill and we have different symptoms and then we can get illnesses. The temperature of the food that we eat also plays a role. For some people, their body thrives on colder food. Other people thrives on cooked or hot food. For me, I know that if I have cold food, it feels really cold in my gut and I, I know it makes me feel uncomfortable. So for me, I generally try to stay away from the really, really cold foods. And I have foods that, that are either cooked and warmed or um, at least room temperature. But I much prefer breakfast for me every day, even in summer, and it can be pretty hot where I live in summer, is always a cooked breakfast. It's always a hot breakfast. It just makes me feel better. I feel so much better having a cooked breakfast than, say, having a fruit salad. So, and everyone is different, and you'll know what feels good for you. And even the time that you eat also plays a role as well. So, we've talked a little bit about the exercise and the food. Now, it goes beyond that. That's the physical stuff. What about the social and the you know the way we we use our mind, our mindset? The people that we surround ourselves with also 
help express certain genes. And some people um, get invigorated when they've got people around and, you know, they like interacting with them, whereas other people would prefer to be with a small group of people and it can calm them down and find them, they can find that very relaxing. So once again, we're turning on different genes. We're switching genes based on our environment, based on our genetics, because if you put someone who prefers to be on their own and is very is very comfortable being solitary or with one or two people in an intimate surrounding, if you put that person into an environment where there's a lot of noise, a lot of people, everyone kind of jumping around, saying hello, talking, and it's they're in sensory overload, that, that person is, they will start to shut down. And if they do that too often, basically their body is stressing. And then when their body is stressing, that's when we start to have hormones being imbalanced and we have other issues going on. And those particular people tend to have a lot of problems with their gut. They get a lot of anxiety through their gut. And it's because they don't feel comfortable in that you know, loud, over-sensory environment. And once again, based on our genes, we're all different. And, and have a look at, you know, you would know that there's environments, social environments that you enjoy that you look at other people. And I know for me, I mean, I'm someone who's, when I'm with people and they're people I know and love and I can have, I prefer to have deep converse, conversations but put me into a situation where I go into, you know, a room and I don't know anybody, that really, really stresses me. It makes me feel very, very uncomfortable and I will avoid that. These days I avoid it like the plague. Um, in the past I used to kind of force myself to do that. But that's because that's who I am. I much prefer to have a, a, a conversation with people that I know and that I trust and have a deeper conversation than to be having uh, lots of people around me because I'm just different. And it's nothing wrong. There's nothing right or wrong. And yes, it's a little bit like this extrovert, introvert type of thing. Um, and I can switch between extrovert and introvert because when I'm talking about extrovert, extrovert is someone who gets their energy from someone else. And introvert is someone who gets their energy internally. And I know that when I've had too much of other people, it's drained my energy because I've kind of been putting out, putting out, and then I have to actually pull myself away and go somewhere. And I'm very good at the just disappearing and not saying goodbye. I just kind of uh, disappear out the door because I need to recover my energy and I do that away from other people. But then other, you know, there are people who love being with others and that, that energizes them. So once again, this is driven by our genes and the the environment either enhances the genes, so it gets the genes going, activating it, or it deactivates it. And another area that we can also look at, and this is coming closer back to what people see as environment, that is the physical place that you are in and whether or not, you know, that's um you know, nature, you know, being in nature really makes a big difference for many people. Now, now, some people actually prefer, you know, I prefer to live, I live in the country now, I used to live near the beach, so I love to be surrounded by nature. But there are people who love living in the city and they love living in the middle of all these tall buildings. They, that for them, that is their, their happy place. We're all different and once again, driven by our our genes. This is how we're different. And if we you put someone in the wrong environment, so for me, 
if you know, I, as I said, I love being surrounded by nature. I'm so so blessed at the moment. I live on ten acres, uh, surrounded by nature. There's kangaroos, there's koalas, there's like, and there's quiet and all of that. It's exactly where my body feels at peace. But if I and I used to in the past, I've lived in high rise buildings with you know, lots of people around and lots of concrete and not being able to see much nature. And whilst I could do it for a short amount of time, it was quite stressful for my body. And I always, I used to find when I, this is when I very first moved to Sydney and I worked, uh, when I was working in corporate, what I'd find is on the weekends, I would seek out places where I could go and be in nature because during the week, I was either inside, you know, a corporate building or I was inside my apartment building and there was no nature around. So on the weekends, I used to find I was actually seeking it out. I'd go and I'd go places where I could get to the beach or go into the bush or something like that because that's I'm drawn to it. But other people are drawn to different things. So when we're in the right place for us, for what our genetic makeup is, we will lower stress. And there's actually, there's a concept called forest bathing. Um, it's a Japanese concept of, you know, taking time out in nature. And they've actually done research that for some people that if they can spend time out in nature, it will reduce their stress for up to 30 days and it can lower the blood pressure. Now, as I said, for other people, that's not going to work for them. They, go, they want something different. But this is how it can impact our health. Just by going out into nature, it can drop your blood pressure. It can bring your stress down. For someone else to live in a you know a place where there's lots of people around, and you know they're always interacting with other people, that's going to reduce their stress because they don't like being alone. But every part of the environment gives your genes input, and the genes respond to the input. And if it doesn't match your physiology, then you're going to have health issues. And this is where we start to see things like mental mental issues, you know, depression, anxiety. We've got the physical of the hot flushes, the joint pains, the emotional, the depression and all of that. We see this when your body, your genes are out of balance and the environment is not providing what your body requires. If we can match your physiology and your genetics to the right environment, you are going to be stronger and healthier and your symptoms are, they're, they're just going to, they, and this seems really strange, but they are going to go away. I have seen it. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in my clients. The symptoms, you know, they don't, doesn't necessarily happen all at once, but you start to get a reduction in symptoms. You start to drop the weight because what you've done is you've taken the stress off your body. So, you might go, well, how do I work out what's right for me? Well, that's exactly what the secret to thriving in menopause without HRT workshop is all about. The workshop I put together, it's been created specifically to teach you more about this, to get you to understand more about your genetics, the environmental influences and what you can do. And by the time at the end of the five-day workshop, which is completely free, you will actually have a blueprint menopause blueprint of what works for you where it comes to the foods you're eating the times you eat foods how often you should be exercising what your you know what your environment your place should look like your social 
all of that, you will come out with a blueprint that gives you the information that you need once you start implementing it and it's going to change the way that you're experiencing your menopause transition. So if you want to join that, as I said, we start on the 17th of July, uh, the secret to thriving in menopause without HRT. The link to join is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash menopause underscore workshop with a capital M and a capital W. Hope to see you there so I can actually share more of this stuff with you. And that's it from me for this week's podcast. I'm actually going to take a couple of weeks break because as I'm as I this podcast come well when I'm recording this podcast, which is a little a couple of weeks earlier, I'm actually about to fly to Iceland later today. I'm going hiking. Great place for me, great environment for me. So I'm going hiking in Iceland. And then when I come back, I will be running the workshop. So I'm going to take a few weeks break on the podcast, but I'll record a few episodes once I get back and we get through the the workshop. So beginning of August, I'm looking to um, drop the rest of the episodes for the rest of the year. So thanks for being here. And I hope to see you in the workshop. Bye for now.